Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. And welcome to an extended edition of the uh, Geek Town podcast. Today we're talking to independent filmmaker Martin Gooch. Martin's made a number of independent films, including the latest one, which is The Search for Simon, which is out on DVD right now. We also talked to him about some of his upcoming projects, which include a film adaptation of the Robert Rankin novel um, Alice on Mars and uh, potentially a uh, new movie based around the classic fighting fantasy book by uh, Ian Livingstone, um, Death Trap Dungeon. As ever, if you want any more geek news or uh, UK air dates, go to the main website at geektown.co.uk. There's still also a chance to enter the Geek Town Awards um, where you can go on, vote for your favourite shows and games and uh, films of the last 12 months and you could be in with a chance of winning a huge prize worth uh, over £300. I also wanted to say a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to uh, all the Geek Town listeners and uh, all the people that visit the site. Here's Martin. Hope you enjoy the interview. Hi, Dave. How's it going? I'm fine. How are you? I'm all right. I'm sorry I was a little bit late this morning. But that's, that's the magic of Sundays. <laughs> yes. No, I'm very with you on that. Any excuse not to have to get out of bed in the morning. <laughs> yeah, we had. A, uh, I was at college in Canterbury, and every year we meet up uh, with each other, and that was last night. Ah, so. okay. Cool. So one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you was because um, I've interviewed a few... Well, I saw Search for Simon uh, a couple of months ago, uh, Wes from... Uh, uh, um, Stripe oh, yeah, Media, yeah, uh, sort of sent me a copy of that, and I really like the film. And um, then I've interviewed a couple of people recently, uh, David Wayman and uh, Brad Moore, yes. and uh, and your name keeps on coming up. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I hope it's a nice. It oh yes, no, yes. That, that's <laughs> <the> th- <laughs> yeah, no, they're they're both uh, very very uh, uh, very very complimentary about you and and uh, say how how lovely it is to work for you and and uh, how interesting your stuff is and and that sort of thing. And so I saw, saw Search for Simon and really liked it. And uh, so so yeah, I thought you'd be quite a nice person to get on and have a chat to. So. <laughs> Oh great! <laughs> um, so, well, do you, do we want to start with? Um, should we start with Search for Simon? Seeing as, as that's kind of where I, I first saw yeah, your work. Yes. Do you want to just explain a bit for people that haven't seen it about uh, what the film was about? 
Right, okay. The Search for Simon is a very dark sci-fi comedy all about a man uh, who, when he's a little boy, his brother, Simon, disappears one day and is never seen again. Yeah. So he asks his dad, where's my brother gone? (laughs) And his dad says, your brother's been abducted by aliens. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) And so he spends the next 30 years of his life looking for his brother. He's searching for Simon. (laughs) And his search takes him all around the world. He goes to all these interesting places... Uh, including Denmark, uh, this strange little island in the Baltic Sea, and he goes to America several times, and blah blah blah, and uh, and the film is all about his search. <coughs> Excuse me. And we start the film uh, thirty years after his brother's disappeared, and he's in, and he's running out of money. Yeah, that's sort of one of the the crux points of the episode that we're filming is that he uh, is running out of cash. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's. Um... It's a very kind of interesting, sort of sweet little film, really, um, and uh, uh, quite a good mix of um, comedy, but there's sort of tragedy and drama in it. And uh, where where did the inspiration for that film come from? I suppose you, in your head, as a you know, as a writer, you've always, there's always lots and lots of stories going along. You know, I'd like to do this film, I'd like to do that film, I'd like to do that film, <laughs> and then uh, various you know, planets come into alignment and you think, oh, okay, we have the technology now to do this, this and this. And I I thought, to be honest, I thought, how can I make something that's incredibly cheap? (laughs) Uh, And that was the impetus, was sitting down in front of this very computer and thinking, I need to write a film that costs me almost nothing to make. (laughs) And uh, I know it's a dreadful, dreadful motivating factor, but the film... uh, came out when I the previous film death which I'm sure we'll talk about yeah uh went to several festivals around the world and um I went to these festivals and I I bought a little camera and I was doing these comedy vlogs for my own personal enjoyment they had no (laughs) destination I never put them online they were just for fun uh and then eventually I sat down and I put them all into my timeline uh on the edit suite and I realized there was about 25 minutes of of you know good entertaining footage and what i hadn't realized is that every single one of these vlogs that i had been doing had a subtext and the subtext was the same and and that's there's an actual moment where i went oh i've i've started making a film without knowing i've <laughs> making film and uh and then there was that moment where i thought okay let's this is the film and this is the story and this is what's going to happen do i use all the footage that i've already shot which is about 25 minutes worth with yeah. me in it or do I start all over again and get someone to play the lead role? And because I already had 25 minutes of good footage, most of which is still in the film, uh, I decided that I had to be the main actor. It wasn't, <laughs> wasn't, it's, there's no ego in it. It yeah. was a purely financial decision. And, uh, and I probably will never lead a film ever again. <laughs> so that's done. Well, at least you get to do it once. It's something yeah, exactly. to tick off your bucket list. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're, you've got, you're a trained director, but... You've not got a, a trained acting background. Not uh, that you well, can tell, actually, in the film, you know. <laughs> you well, the funny, know. the funny thing is I used to teach acting. Oh, OK. At, uh, at uh, drama, uh, East 15 Drama School. I was there for a number of years. Like, I did come in and do a block and do a block and blo- do a block. Right, OK. Uh, so, and obviously I've worked with a hell of a lot of actors over a long time. Yeah. And uh, the, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to pitch myself as an actor or anything like that, but... Uh, uh, sometimes when you're when you've got no budget and it's 5am 
and you need to pick up a little scene, I'm always there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. it's massively convenient if you're the director and the lead, I guess. <laughs> exactly. But uh, but I would rather work with actors, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, how, how do you go about casting some of these films? Because, I mean, the Search for Simon particularly, I, I, I kind of, I think I said when I reviewed it, um, one of the things I rather liked about it is it, is it does... It, it does slightly look like you walked into a comic con and just kind of spoke to everybody there and said, yes. "Do you want to be in my movie?" <laughs> uh, well, how did I cast it? Well, um, uh, the all all of the sort of uh, main characters are people I know. Like I'd um, I'd met Nolene, who plays a psychologist, yeah, before, and she's completely lovely and and a wonderful actress. And so we desperately wanted to have her in a film. Uh, you know, I would have made a film just to have Nolene in it. You see, yeah. she's that good. Uh, and I'd worked with um, Millie, who plays Sally, in a short film, and she was just brilliant. Her performance is fantastic, and she's lovely to work with. So I'd sort of identified these people, and there are a few other people uh, who uh, were perfect. And Simon Burks, who plays the character that I play's brother, he co-wrote it with me. So yeah. it made sense for him to play that character, yeah. and so on and so forth. And then... With the, the sort of more named people, uh, you're not that far wrong. <laughs> because uh, because uh, with, uh, with Cal Cleveland, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine uh, who's also an actor about the film. And I said, you know, I've still got to cast these roles and uh, this <clears> person <throat> would be great. And I said, we need someone to play the character's mum. You know, someone of that age yeah. who's a woman uh, who's, who's still acting. Because a lot of women after... A certain age, they, they, it's more difficult for them to get work, and they retire or give up, and then it's quite difficult for us to get hold of them. Yeah. And one of, one of the biggest problems for low budget filmmakers, really, is agents, because <laughs> agents hate us. Yes. We are of no use to them because we don't offer a lot of money, and when they take their twenty percent of not a very much, yes, it isn't very much. So, I had to had to go to agents who uh, I had to go to actors who I didn't have to go through their agent really. Yeah. So we had to contact them, and I said to my friend. We need someone, you know, someone who's in the public consciousness, someone who's been around for a while, someone like Carol Cleveland. And he went, I know Carol. <laughs> See? So, so that was that. And uh, we, I, we phoned her up, sent her over the script. She said she loved the script. Uh, and then we had to do the agent stuff, of course. Uh, and, uh, but because she wanted to do it, that was great. And with Simon Jones, uh, I actually just wrote to him. Oh, OK. Uh, yeah, I wrote him a letter and uh, he got back in touch uh, he was wonderful. We just filmed him for one day. He's such a such a gentleman, a proper gent. Yeah. And uh, with uh, Chase Masterson, I'd got in touch with her um, via her website, and then she was at a uh, the sci-fi convention in Wales. So okay. I actually went to her, like you suggested, <coughs> and, uh, and said, "Hi, it's me, Martin. Do you remember? Uh, do you want to be in my film?" And cut to she was yeah. in our film. Awesome. And Sophie, Sophie Aldred was, is also contacted via a friend of a friend. Yeah. Uh, and she was great, obviously, fab. And each of those actors, uh, we just had for one day. So Simon Jones came in and did one day, Chase did a day, Sophie Aldred did a day, Tom Price did one day. Yeah. And that's how, how we managed to schedule it all in. <laughs> that's fantastic. I mean, you, um, one of the things the, uh, both David and Brad, both said about you was the fact that you you seem to know everybody uh, well, you seem not, to... obviously not very many rich people but <laughs> yeah i mean i i, I guess i guess because you've been um directing when did you start directing 
How'd you get uh, into well, it? Well, I mean, it de- that, that, that depends on your definition of actually directing stuff. <laughs> I started making uh, a little Super 8 film when I was about 19. Okay. Uh, my my, my uh, sort of great aunt passed away and left me a Super 8 camera because I'd always been banging on about films. Yeah. And uh, I made this little animation in the shed uh, and uh, I spent ages and ages and ages. It was all cut out and wow. spent ages yeah. on it and I even built the stand for the... Uh, <laughs> Super 8 camera, and I sent off the reel to whoever developed films in those days, and it came back and everything was out of focus. Uh, no. I, was so, I was so furious. <laughs> <laughs> days and days and days of work. And I think I destroyed that Super 8 camera uh, <laughs> with a big hammer. Uh, and uh, then I never did anything again for a couple of years because the, the, it was so such hard work uh, on Super 8. Yeah. Uh, I went off to America, funnily enough. I went to be an uh, archaeological assistant for the U.S. Forest Service, right. Native American uh, remains, as, as of course, you do in <laughs> America. Uh, but that wasn't enough. Uh, the U.S. Forest Service was lovely, but um, I wanted to make movies. And then I came back to the U.K. Uh, to do radio, film, and television and art at Christchurch College, Canterbury. And then I directed a, a few short films then. Yeah, and then I left, and then in 1998 <clears throat> I did a short film called The Orgasm Ray Gun with Leslie Phillips, which I directed. <laughs> and then every year since then I've made at least one or two short films. And then paid wise, I got uh, I did a film called Arthur's Amazing Things right. uh, in uh, 2000, uh, 2002, I suppose. Yeah, uh, again with Leslie Phillips and um, a brilliant actor called Mark Felgate. Uh, who's fab, and we hope to, you know, have in more films in the future. And um, it it didn't win, but it came second with the BBC Best New Directors oh, scheme. Cool. Uh, and I met uh, Alan Yentob, who was a very nice bloke. He gave me my award, uh, and uh, we had a chat. And then a mere four years after that, <laughs> I walked on set on Doctors for BBC and started directing in 2006. So uh, as a as a professional paid director since 2006. Right, Okay. Which is probably the short answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you've done, uh, you, you've you directed uh, some of Hollyoaks as well, yes. and, and uh, you, you know other TV shows. Do you? I, I mean, I'm assuming you prefer to do um, film over doing TV. No, I mean it, it's it's all it's all about the the script and the crew. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I've done. I did some Roundtree's Randoms. Uh, internet commercials a few years ago, which was so much fun, and they yeah. were brilliant because we had a wonderful crew and nice scripts. And uh, you know, the thing the thing is, if, if you've got the right budget and the right amount of time and everything, that's what that's what makes it a wonderful experience. It's when it's when it's pissing down with rain and it's four a.m. and you're in a field and you haven't had anything to eat, yeah, and uh, the camera doesn't work. That's when it's not much fun <laughs> it doesn't matter whether you're getting paid a whole load of money or no money it's still not much very fun yeah no totally uh, but uh, i mean you know i loved doing hollyoaks hollyoaks was brilliant brilliant fun yeah uh, and it's great because you've got a proper crew you've got 35 people you've got proper cameras and proper tracks and a, and a decent amount of time to do everything and good actors on the whole and uh, a location and everything and you just come in and you're just the director yeah, and when you're doing low budget films, like when you're directing on telly, you're just the director. So you just direct. You just put your vision on, and you get the performances, and you shoot the schedule, shoot the budget, shoot the camera, blah 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 blah, and do all that, and it's great. Uh, and you don't have people running up to you and saying, 
the uh, the ticket collectors here, your car's getting clamped and taken away. <laughs> you go, ah! Uh, which has happened. Uh, or, they, or they say, well, where, where do we plug in the kettle in the middle of a scene? Or the electricity goes because the meter's run out because that's happened. And all those things, they don't happen when you're doing telly. Yeah. And, and you get a purity of direction where that's the only thing you have to do, Yeah, which is, is wonderfully stress-free. Yes. Um, but obviously it's not your vision, it's somebody else's vision. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, would you would you be interested in turning uh, one of your ideas into a TV series? So, oh you yeah, have... oh absolutely, yes. I mean, we've been trying to pitch uh, stuff for years and years and years. But the, the 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 truth of the matter with pitching is that there's very 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 little original stuff ever made on any channel. Yeah, you think, you think the BBC's budget for drama is six hundred million a year? Well, they do uh, EastEnders, Casualty, Holby and Doctor Who. So take all that out of that <laughs> yeah. 100 million and you've got 28 pence left. Yes. And that's what they spend on drama. And you think that you, I'm competing with all of those famous writers and all of those famous directors and all of those famous actors. Yeah. And uh, now, now we have this cult of expensive actors uh, like Benedict Cumberbatch, who obviously undeniably very, very good. Very yeah. expensive. Yes, and the fans want them, so the BBC get them in an episode. Poof, all the budget's gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you you can see that with the BBC stuff because they're starting to do more um, collaborations with, like, Pe- um, uh, yeah, no, not Peaky Blinders, the um, the Ripper, Ripper Street, yeah, because Ripper Street ended up being a co-production for the third third season, fourth season, something like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean they're they're doing kind of more than that, but I mean with your stuff, it's so to me it seems so uniquely British. I think it, I don't know how you, you'd manage to get who you get to kind of co-produce uh, that. Oh, that that therein lies the rub. <laughs> yes, no, I mean there's lots of other stuff I've written uh, yeah. that it is you know because it's 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 sort of a toss up. You want to? I think I think good directors have a vision. Yeah, they have a thumbprint on their work, like a like a painter, or a musician, or I don't know, a writer. You can tell it's their work. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's really important because I do think it's an art form, uh, and you're expressing and and dealing with emotions and all that sort of stuff and and ideas. And I think, to be honest, there aren't uh, a great deal of directors who put a thumbprint on, because let's no. face it, actually directing isn't that difficult. You know, you say stand over there. Say your words <laughs> over there. Thank you very much. That's a wrap, everybody. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. I'll be in the pub. <laughs> uh, and uh, but actually doing something interesting yeah. is difficult. And uh, and and then the toss up is trying to trying to do something with your vision and your voice and do it interesting, which is what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Or just doing another zombie film, <laughs> uh, which will probably make more money. Yes, and then, and then you have to have that battle inside where you go, should I, you know, yeah, <laughs> I just go and try and make money. But I think ultimately, if you just try and make money, you'll probably fail. Yeah, I mean, the the lovely thing about, as you say, the lovely thing about your films, I think, is the fact that they are, um, they are or appear to be very uniquely you. you yeah, know? but um, I, that's that's what I'm talking about. I mean, like them or hate them. Yeah. Hate them or loathe them, I should say. <laughs> they are. They are. Um, uh, only, only I could have done them. Yeah. Yeah. Never. And, and, and I think I. You know. I just. I would like to think that that's important. Yeah. No. Definitely. I think. I think it, it makes for a. 
far more varied and interesting film than just going to see like two big robots smacking each other, which is what you get in like you know yes, AAA, specific. yeah, the Pacific Rim to yes. um, uh, Transformers, yeah, <laughs> Godzilla, just yeah. Monsters, monsters, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so talking about your films, um, let's talk a bit about Death, um, yes. which. Uh, is the name of your film not death? Uh, <laughs> so do you want to do you want to explain a bit about that movie? Uh, yeah, I'd I'd spent a long time. Uh, I mean, my my history is I was a runner. I, I have no family in the business. I started off right at the bottom as a runner. Yeah, and I became a runner, then a camera trainee, then a camera assistant, then a clapper loader, then a focus puller, then a, a camera operator, then a DOP, then a director. Yeah. So I went I went through the whole thing. It took fifteen years. It wasn't yeah. a quick journey. I did a lot of big movies. I did you know. Judge Dredd, Harry Potter, and all sorts of things, Muppets, etc. And uh, I did a lot of telly as a camera assistant, EastEnders, blah, blah, blah. And uh, all the time I was watching, and that's really how I learned to, to direct, was watching hundreds and hundreds of other directors, some really famous ones, some dreadful ones, and uh, how to do it. And all the time I was sort of picking up actor here and a crew member there and a, and a shot there. And, and uh, I'd been trying to make a film for a long time, uh, and uh, I could never raise the money and I kept on looking for producers and it never happened and I, I made all these short films and blah, 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 blah. And then one day I just thought, you know, sod it. I just have to be, I have to be everything. I have to be the producer, I have to be the director, I have to be the writer to get it done. Yeah. Uh, and then I think about 10, 10 months later after that decision, we started shooting. <laughs> See, uh, because you just, you just have to do it. If you really want to do it, you just got to do it. Yeah, because uh, there isn't any money out there really uh, for people to start. There's very, very, very few schemes and uh, and money at the beginning. And uh, I again, you know, uh, it was a question of um, writing a script that I knew I could do. I'd love to do a huge, big space opera, you know, uh, yeah. thing. That'd be wonderful. I've written the script, but it's going <laughs> to cost several million pounds. Yes. And uh, until we get to that point, we can't do that film. Mm. So I thought I'd write. Uh, a mystery because I didn't really want to do a slasher film because everyone was doing I mean this is you know 2009 I was writing it yeah it was doing there's a lot of slasher films out at that point uh low budget I mean and I, I thought let's just try something different so my original plan was a mysterious comedy sci-fi drama mystery <laughs> uh and I'd, I'd been to stay at this uh, stately home in the countryside uh sort of like a writer's retreat thing yeah uh, and I phoned them up and I said, you know, how much would it cost to hire it for a week? And they gave me a very reasonable <coughs> price. And I thought, oh, I can, I can think I can raise that money. And then, uh, then I went, uh, I wrote the script and I got some actors together and we workshopped it, including um, uh, uh, John Hansler and a few other people like that, uh, who's great. And um, I'm trying to remember it all now. I haven't thought about it for such a long time. My brain is in another yeah. move along, another another time zone. And uh, and then we, we, we got the place for a weekend and we got everyone together and we went through the script and then I went away and then I wrote the whole thing. And then in January 2011, uh, we turned up and started shooting. Cool. And that was it, really. It was, all, it, was all, it was all based around, you know, a lot of writers, they say, you know, they say write what you know and write, just write anything. But that, it doesn't work at a low budget. When you're yeah. low budget, you have to write what you can do. Yes. And a lot of writers because they don't know how to direct or they've never been on set, they don't know what can be done for a small price. Yeah. You see? Yeah. And I thought that's probably where I was quite good uh, in that because I'd 
done so many films, I was aware of what could be done for nothing. Yeah. And, and what could be done on the cheap and so on and so forth, you see. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the finance is, is such a huge part of of, uh, of making the movie, I, I, I guess, as you say. You know, it's, it's what you can afford, not what you'd like to do. Um, yes. Did it, I remember you saying in an interview that you'd, you'd started, like, you reckoned you had about 300 quid and you started shooting, started oh, death. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I set up, I, I thought, uh, I've got to keep this all separate from my personal accounts. Yeah. So I, I set up a bank account for death. Uh, called Death Limited, which is quite funny. Really. <laughs> Bank statements of death written on them, and uh, the the on the very f- I think it was either the thirty. Yeah, I said sort of if we've got any money at the end of the year, I'll make the film. You yeah. know, it's, it's it's the film gods talking to me saying make the film. Yeah, and uh, we opened the bank account online on the thirty first December, and it had zero in it, absolute nothing. Not even zero. Not not even eleven p. But yeah. nothing. And I just thought I was I was a bit you know sad, and I, and I thought oh this is it it's over forget it that's that I'm not supposed to be doing this, and then I thought no that's ridiculous get on the phone, uh, and uh, so I got on the phone and by the end of the day I think I had about three thousand quid, uh, that's good in the in the bank account, but it, the first one was three hundred quid, <laughs> uh, and uh, when that came in I thought oh yeah we can we can do that, but uh, we never ever had more than three grand at any one point on the film. Wow. Yeah, and it was—it's quite daunting at times because there's no real producer on it apart from me. I had uh, Jade Alexander came along and she was fantastic and helped, but she wasn't responsible for financing. Yeah, uh, and uh, there was never a point where I wasn't, you know, terrified that uh, we—it would all collapse at any one moment, which is which is not really the way you want to make films. <laughs> <laughs> no, you would—you would at least like to start. Yes, we can definitely do at least two days before you have a heart attack. Yes, <laughs> fine. Yeah. But I mean, you you still managed to get through the 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 funding of that with without um, shoving a load of stuff on credit cards. As I seem to remember you saying, yeah. Um, and to to get out of making a film without really coming, uh, at, you know, coming out of it without really being in debt. Um, from making the movie is pretty much an achievement in itself, I think. Well, I mean, I mean, I'm in debt to my investors. Right. So, yeah, I guess. Because they, because they, people, you know, I had to go and find the money from people to put the, the money in. Mm. Uh, uh, but, um, the, uh, you know, it's, it's, it goes back to what I said before. It's all about understanding how much it costs to shoot something. Yeah. You know, I've been on set with directors who haven't got a clue how much it costs to, to get a camera in for the day. Yeah. They don't know how much a canister of smoke costs. Yeah. They don't know the, how much this prop or that location. And I, I knew how much every single thing cost all the way through the whole of the film. Yeah. Uh, so you can keep a, a mental tally of how much money you've got and how much you need. And when someone says, look, it's going to cost uh, 600 quid for this, you can actually say, no, we can't <laughs> afford that. We don't have it. Yes. We, it. we have to find something that's 400 quid. You know, or, yeah. or nothing you know uh and and obviously there's a lot of goodwill in that film you know if the bbc made that film and had to pay for everything full rate it would be a considerably more expensive film but it would be the same film yes yeah now it is quite surprising what you can actually um create these days by just kind of having a fam ha- having a camera and a few people that that yeah. um can act and uh you know a few lights and and just managing to put something together you know yeah it's it's all it's all about the story you know you've got to you've got to have 
because everybody, I mean, you know, I've got an iPhone. Yeah. Everybody can shoot anything in HD with, with sound anywhere, anytime from now on until the end of the universe, probably. Yeah. So, but there's still only a hundred or so really good films that come out every year. Yeah. What does that tell us? That tells us that we still have a great deal of problem writing good stories. Yeah. So you, you just got to spend a hell of a lot of time on the story and get that right. Because, I mean, some of the search for Simon was shot on that iPhone, <laughs> you know, and we've had it projected in the cinema NFT1, and no one comes out and goes, oh, my God, it was shot on an iPhone. Yeah. They all yeah. come out and say it's great. I mean, we got nominated for a cinematography award, <laughs> and, and I laughed when, when it came through because um, we didn't win, but we got nominated. And no. uh, I just thought it just, it just shows that people aren't really looking at the cinematography. A lot of the time when, uh, when films win cinematography awards, it's not the cameraman at all. It's the production designer and the wardrobe department who yeah. have done the cinematography because yeah. they've built the set or chosen the, the room and the, uh, like, um, is it House of Flying Daggers, I think, which is all green and she's wearing a red dress. Right, yeah. And everyone goes, oh, the cinematography's fantastic. And I go, it's nothing to do with the <laughs> cinematography. It's a green field. That's the location manager and the director's decision. And a red dress, that's the wardrobe and the director's decision. Yeah. And, you're, and all the cameraman did is turn it on. <laughs> I always think that makes me laugh. Yeah. Uh, what, what our perception of what in each department does. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, are, there, are there any directors who inspire you or... Uh, influence you in the way that you work oh yeah i mean hilariously on just friday just two days ago i went to see brazil at yes. the uh, prince charles theater which is the obviously clearly the best cinema in london yeah uh, and uh, i've been going there oh, God, 20 years at least i don't know yeah. uh, and i haven't watched it in the cinema for 20 years and just seeing brazil on the big screen i, I just remember seeing that when i don't know when it came out 1984 or five i suppose and uh, so I'd have been 12 or 13. What a massive effect. And even things like Terry Gilliams's lens choice. Yeah. I see how that influenced my brain as a, as a uh, evolving filmmaker. Yeah. And his choices of lens and his composition. He doesn't cut things up very fast. He moves the actors around within a shot. Yeah. Uh, it's much more satisfying. It's, it's you know, we call it, it's blocking. And uh, I think that's... A, a better way to make films, you know, yeah. it's more fun on set, you know, and, and I think, you know, filmmaking. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It's, it's very uh, hard. I mean, we're not soldiers in Afghanistan, but it's uh, very, very hard making a film. It's long hours and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I think 
that it's very important you have a nice time on set. Yeah. You want to go home and think, we shot good stuff and we had a nice time, great. Uh, when I was an assistant, I worked with several directors who were incredibly shouty and angry people. <laughs> and, and to this day, I always look back and I always think, Why, what were they so angry about? <laughs> they were getting paid loads of money because these were commercials. Yeah. And they, okay, it was a bit stressful, but really, honestly, um, so... Uh, and the Terry Gilliam stuff, you just get this feel that they probably had quite a fun time. Yeah. No, I've never been on set with him. But um, uh, And then early, early, um, you know, the filmmakers I watched when I was a kid, I wasn't necessarily so much aware of who was making it. It was the films. Yes. Yeah. You see, so I, I thought Dragon Slayer was possibly one of the greatest films of all time right. when I was eight. Yeah. But whether I think that now, I think. <laughs> but I did notice that Vermin Thrax, here's my nerd, nerdness, Vermin <laughs> Thrax gets a mention in Game of Thrones. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's one line in one episode. And my, my radar went, what? <laughs> and then it was gone. Yeah. Um, yes, uh, uh, I mean, uh, early Ridley Scott stuff, I, yeah. I thought was massively influential, fantastic, you know. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And... Um, I really loved Peter Greenaway's stuff, uh, the Draftsman's Contract and things like that. They were just beautifully done because, again, he tends to move everyone around inside a beautifully composed frame. It's like everything's like a painting. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I found that massively um, influential. Uh, uh, Tim Burton, you know, that I, I still think his Batman's the best Batman of all time. <laughs> and I'll, I'll fight anyone who says different, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, and I, yes, I think that I think, and th- those guys were really, really uh, affected the the way I saw films. Uh, and you, you're still trying to t- trying to create something interesting, and everything they did was interesting at that time. They've done some crap since, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, no, you see, I, I like all the versions of Batman that have been on screen so far. I I just because uh, I'm a huge Batman fan, uh, I. I'm still waiting for the one which actually looks like it's closest to the current versions of the comic books, which I yes. don't think has ever actually been on screen. Um, yeah. So no, I, I'd agree. I just, I just felt that in in the first two Batman's with uh, uh, Michael Keaton, yeah, he there's just so many beautiful moments. All those bits, like you know, uh, when he's got his flying little aircraft and it flies up and it stops in the, in the full moon and just makes its own bat symbol for a second yeah. and comes down. And the bat car in the first two is yeah. awesome. Yes. Just yeah. cool. Because Chris Nolan's bat car, yeah, it's great. It looks like a big tank. Yeah. But it's not cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's no, no I... They've they've kind of gone with, for a mix of the two in the new movie, so uh, it's it'll be interesting to see how how that that uh, comes out. I've I've seen the uh, the Burton. I've I've actually seen all of them. They've got. The, I, I was over in Los Angeles last year, and they got uh, in Warner Brothers. They've got like all of them in a line. Oh, awesome! Yes, <laughs> it's it's fantastic. <laughs> Just kind yes. of they're kind of jumping up and down with joy, kind of having seen them all. It's great. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love the uh, love the bat stuff. Um, yes, I mean, I do read a lot of, of graphic novels. I mean, I thought Watchmen was fantastic. Yes, so I, th- I thought I it was thought... great. I don't really understand why Alan Moore is so terribly angry about it all. Because no. they probably did the most faithful adaptation of any comic book of all time, probably. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I remember um, them saying that they were actually walking around, like, with, holding them up to the shot, with yeah. the comic books holding them up to the shot, going, yep, that's about right. So, um, yeah. 
I think Alan Moore just is, is fairly angry about any adaptation of <laughs> any of his stuff. Yes. But I think um, League, of, League of Gentlemen, that destroyed it for him. Yes. He was probably okay, and then they did such a... Uh, yeah, hatchet jump. Yeah, because yeah. it has brilliant, brilliant, brilliant bits in it, the film. Yeah. Uh, uh, but they just sort of throw this grenade of rubbish into yeah. it. Here's some rubbish, in it goes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's... Um... Uh, I, I, it's one of the reasons I'm I'm quite looking forward to to seeing um, the the new Batman stuff is because of the fact that I I, I think out of all the directors that have taken it so far, um, he's the closest to being the person that brings comic books to screen. I think he I mean he got a lot of criticism for doing Superman for, for the recent Superman reboot, but I really quite like that movie. <laughs> I have to admit I haven't seen it. I haven't seen yeah. that, but I thought uh, he does. Zach, Zach Snyder, isn't it? Zack Snyder, yeah, yeah. He does clearly love uh, yeah. the genre that he's working in. He loves the comics, and he he puts so much effort into Watchmen and Three Hundred. Yeah, uh, and uh, yes, yeah, so I think you know he's a, a steady captain at the helm. You know, yes, yeah, yeah. So definitely, I I think that's that could be one to to look forward to. Um, so yeah. Um, what would you say your most interesting experience has been whilst you've been directing? Uh, I mean, some days, some days are just are terribly stressful and hard work, and you and you you've got your your call sheet, and you're just trying to tick it off and tick <laughs> yeah. it off, tick it off, and you're looking at your watch and you think, oh my god, I'm, I'm 45 minutes behind schedule. How am I going to do it? And uh, uh, we had, I mean, you know, on on Hollyoaks, we had a scene where this pregnant woman. Uh, is pushed down a stone staircase and uh, and lands at the bottom and she's you know it's a disaster and she it's a he's trying to kill her and all this stuff and uh, that was that was very uh, rewarding to do because we had uh, you know lots of cameras five cameras track and a little crane and and it's all outside and a big crew and there's paramedics there and an ambulance just in case the stunt woman does break her neck <laughs> and uh, so I turn, I, you know, I say, okay, everybody, here we go, going for a take, roll sound, roll camera. First AD says, an action. And uh, there's a little bit of conversation at the top of the stairs, and the bad guy gives her a big push, and she falls down the stairs. Bump, 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 and I've got all the cameras, uh, all the screens up, so I can see it on five different cameras. And then she goes, thud, at the bottom of the stairs. And I go, okay, brilliant, cut. And she doesn't get up. <laughs> and I, oh I thought, I, I, you know, I had all these moments. I thought, oh my god, this this uh, stunt woman has killed us, uh, is dead, <laughs> uh, and it was terrifying. And you, and when you're directing, you're not necessarily right next to the action because by the time they've put all the cables in and the televisions yeah. and everything, you can be in another room. So I had to run out of the room, run over to her, uh, and I, I sort of went, "Cut, are you okay? Are you okay?" And she got up, and said, "Yeah, I'm fine. I just couldn't hear because the wig had come down over my ears." <laughs> <laughs> God, yes, uh, and the paramedics were running over and everything like that, and she was absolutely fine. <laughs> uh, but that that was a a real moment where I really thought, oh my god, <laughs> oh know, dear, I've, I've killed, killed somebody. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was pretty horrific. But I wouldn't say that that was an interesting moment. I wouldn't say that was yeah. a fun moment. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. But, but yeah. I, I think that definitely qualifies as interesting. Yes. Um, what's the best piece of advice uh, of advice do you think somebody's given you? Turn up on time. <laughs> don't be a dick. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't be a dick is always quite a good good piece of advice. I think. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I, I I think that the most important thing is is preparation. 
Yeah. Uh, you, when you walk on set, you've got no time. I, I bet even Steven Spielberg, after a really long shoot, sits down with his producer and he says, oh, I wish we'd had slightly longer to shoot that scene. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, or... Um, Stanley Kubrick on Eyes Wide Shut, which went a year over schedule, yeah. probably said, I wish we'd had a bit longer to shoot that bit. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, um, we, we shoot so fast, uh, you know, we're really, uh, we don't want to shoot that fast, but we have to shoot that fast because of the time and budget uh, triangle. Yeah. And, um, uh, I think um, the best piece of advice is is you've got to plan because you walk on set, you've got no time, you're already late uh, because there's an actor in makeup or that it's raining or a car got lost or, or the breakfast hasn't arrived or a thousand reasons or they can't find the shotgun for the scene with the shotgun or yeah. blah, 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 or an actor's having a hissy fit and won't come out of the, the caravan or whatever. It's a thousand reasons. Uh, so if you, the director, can say, walk on set and go, camera over there looking this way, first shot, actor comes in over there, we're going to have this bit of conversation here and then they're going to do that or whatever. Or they're sitting over there or they're in that aeroplane or camera's over there, long lens, <laughs> whatever, tracking shot here, anything. Yeah. Uh, that saves you so much time. Yes. Because if you're titting about with the camera and the actors are there having a cigarette waiting for you to talk to them, yeah. well, you don't need to be titting about with them because you should have planned it the night before. Yeah. And that's it. I think it's all about planning. I mean, you know, I learned that on really big films. I mean, films like Harry Potter or uh, I was on um, Entrapment very, very briefly just for a few days. But there's so much planned beforehand. And then you come on set and everybody knows what they're doing. Everybody's got the right stuff, blah, blah, blah. And the curse of the low budget stuff is people don't plan. Yeah. The amount of times I've been on set when I was a technician and the director just stands there in the middle of the room and goes, so what are we doing today then? And you yes. haven't even read the scenes. Yeah. You know, uh, and that's, that's epic fail, as they would say. Yes. You know, totes orcs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, plan. Plan, plan, plan. You, can never, you can't really plan too much. Because it, it, if you plan too much when you're on set, that'll just go away. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 Don't be a dick. Turn up on time. <laughs> plan. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a, a good set of uh, rules to live by, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so what are what are you doing next? Because I know you've got a few different projects lined up. Yes. Well, we are we're currently in the middle of shooting the gatehouse. <laughs> We've shot uh, sixty five pages, and we have I don't know thirty odd pages left. Thirty two pages of ninety seven page script left to go, and we'll be shooting throughout uh, January. Uh, and that's very exciting. It's great to be in the middle of something. We had to stop because it's Christmas, and it's, yeah. it's pointless to try and do anything over Christmas. Yeah. Um, but the film is set in the winter, uh, and that's an important part of the film. Okay. So it made sense to start in November, and uh, whilst it's dark and cold and miserable outside. Yeah. What well, What's the uh, film about? Uh, I'm not sure how much I'm allowed to say at this moment. Okay. Uh, it's, it's a gothic horror. Okay. Uh, and if, uh, if Edgar Allan Poe, could have written it he would have but he's dead and i'm not so i did it <laughs> cool okay um you've got um there's a, a, a alice movie oh yes yeah. alice on mars so the, the fabulous uh, writer robert rankin yes uh, and i have known each other for a very long time i was uh, a, a fan of his even i think when i was in like 19 yeah uh and he used to have a, a society called the brentford uh mercury uh, magazine sorry and they used to have 
trips and we went for a open-topped bus trip around Brentford, which is where most of his books are set in, I don't know, this would be the 90s. Right. Uh, and we all got on very well and had a lovely time, stayed in touch ever since. And I invited him to the premiere of Death and he came along. Uh, and I invited him to the premiere of Search of Simon and he came along, which is fabulous, with his uh, wife, uh, Rachel. And um, he said, Martin, come and have a chat. So uh, I went down to see him and we met in the pub, of course. And uh, he said, look at this. And he gave me a copy of Alice and Mars, the book, one of the very first copies. Uh, and he'd written, film me inside. <laughs> Alice and Mars, eat me, drink me, film me and everything. And I thought, oh, you've got me now. <laughs> uh, so I went away and read it. And, and it's very, very good. It's great fun. Uh, basically, you know, at, we, at, we all know Alice. She's been to Wonderland. She's been through the looking glass. And now she goes to Mars. Makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. And um, uh, so I went away. I, was, I had a job in America uh, filming something else. And I ended up in Texas in a place with a swimming pool, uh, which is rather <laughs> nice. Yeah. I said, can I stay here for a bit, please? And they said, <laughs> yes. So I wrote most of the script sitting by the side of a swimming pool in Texas, which is very, very pleasant. Yeah. Uh, and uh, came back to Robert. He liked the script, and now we've, we're actively uh, seeking uh, finance. We've set up the company, uh, and we've, we have a. Uh, it's all very tedious. The SEIS and the EIS is set up to offer people fifty percent tax relief <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. So come yeah. and invest in a film. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's great. It's really, really lovely. It's lots of fun. We've got some great actors attached already. Um, it's basically Alex. Uh, Alex. Alice goes to Mars. Yeah. And she discovers that the Martians are retooling to come back for War of the Worlds Part 2. <laughs> and she has to thwart them as only, as only she can. And it's all set in 1888, uh, yeah, so the year of the last Ripper murder. Ah, uh, OK. Yeah, so, and it's, it's sort of all it's steampunk-esque. I, I like to call it Victorian sci-fi. Yeah, OK. See, because the, the steampunkers, they're such an uh, intricate bunch of people... Yes. They, they, they've set up their world and their world is, this is steampunk, it's this. Yeah. And I'm saying, well, we're, I'm actually doing this. So yeah. have a little bit of your steampunkiness in it. But yeah. it's more Jules Verne and H.G. Wells. Right, OK. See, uh, than uh, anything else, I think. Victorian sci-fi. Cool, OK. Um, there's something else which is on, on your IMDb, which is uh, Death Trap Dungeon. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, is is that because uh, I, I know um, Ian Livingstone was in uh, was in Search for Simon as well, wasn't he? And Death, he's in both of them. Oh yeah, right. Okay. Yes. In Search for Simon, I thought it was hilarious because he we've got Ian Livingstone yeah. playing a tabletop war gamer, <laughs> yeah. but no one else has picked up on that. You're the first ever to mention. <laughs> really? I, I thought this is going to be great. People are going to get really excited about this, and no one gave a toss. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. I thought I, I kind of saw him and thought, I'm sure that's Ian Livingstone. <laughs> it is, yeah. No, well, I mean, uh, many years ago, in the mist, in the mists of time, uh, I was, you know, read all the fighting fantasy books. I thought they're fantastic, and I always thought, my God, I'd love to see these as films. I mean, this is before Lord of the Rings was made, yes. and before there was a decent, dark, grim fantasy world on the big screen. It didn't exist. There weren't any. You know, that's yeah. why I mentioned Dragon Slayer because that's as close as we ever got. Yeah, and um, and then there was nothing. You know, Willow. Yeah legend a handful of of sort of three or four star films yeah uh, you know and then dreadful things like um krull came along <laughs> yeah. and sort of mixed up fantasy with sci-fi and you go oh for god's sake can't we have <laughs> a decent fantasy and no one's ever done one uh, and then uh, by pure coincidence my brother daniel was working for the department of business and he met ian livingstone at a um uh, event 
And he said, Ian, look, my brother's been banging on about making a film about your books for the last 20 years. <laughs> uh, and Ian Livingstone gave him my card. I uh, gave my brother my card. He gave it to me. And I phoned yeah. up Ian. And I said, look, Ian, I'd like to write the screenplay. For yeah. this. I, you know, I'll, I'll do it. And he said, OK. And we met up and he was a very lovely chap. Uh, and he said, yeah, that's great. But don't do uh, Walk of Firetop Mountain. Do Death Trap. Right. And I said, yeah, fair enough, okay. So I went off. It took me two years to write it because it's very complicated because yeah. obviously the fighting fantasy books don't have a linear story. No, no. Uh, and uh, they don't have any characters. They don't, yes. have, they don't have any protagonists. Yeah. They only have antagonists. Yeah. So I had to uh, create the backstory. I had to create the characters, write all, all the dialogue, but put it together in a sensible way. And uh, I discovered that Death Trap Dungeon... Uh, wasn't actually that long if you okay. if you if you it was only about i don't think it was when i wrote it it was about 63 pages so i right. looked at the trial of the champions which is the sequel and then we incorporated some of that and we wrote uh i wrote the screenplay uh and ian really liked it i think he, i don't think he ever thought i was ever going to phone him up again <laughs> and i phoned him up and i said i've done it it's finished do you want to have a read and he read it and he said he really liked it and we met up a few times uh and uh since then we've been trying to get it you know, uh, onto onto a proper slate, and I think I I feel very very positive that we have uh, moved forward in a very positive way. I'm not allowed to say anything. See, yeah, yeah. So, no, that, uh, I think that's that's uh, it's it's nice to know that that it's because uh, I I grew up on those books as well. Yes. Um, you know, um, does I, I, I so I am quite looking forward to to uh, seeing that. Does um. Does it retain any of the kind of choose-your-own-adventure stuff no, in no. it? Or? It's, it's a film film. It's just like, you know, two yeah. feet of the game. The game is the game. The film is the film. The comic is the comic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. it has... I mean, but I, what, what I pitched uh, was that we would shoot multiple endings and then uh, at the when it comes out on DVD or Blu-ray, then you choose your ending. <laughs> That's a nice idea. Yeah, yeah, exactly, because there has to be a nod towards the... Um, yes, uh, thing but the, the the technology it's too it it's it would be incredibly difficult to have a choose your own adventure film and yeah why bother when we've got playstations yeah yeah no i i i, I wondered uh, it was more i was wondering if there was some sort of nod towards it um but yes i like the idea of just but it has, kind of doing it has, that got, it has got uh all the the nods to itself within itself right okay so there's a lot of there's a, it's a it's a it's a straightforward proper big action fantasy film for for people who like that stuff and for yeah. people who've never ever seen or know anything about fighting fantasy but it's got lots of uh easter eggs and nods for because i love an easter egg as you may be yeah. aware of having seen some <laughs> of my films yeah. uh it, it is it has lots of nods to people who like dungeons and dragons fighting fantasy and things like that and also there's you know the games that are within the books are within the film so right they're, okay it's, they're playing games within the film yeah, so okay. it, so it all matches up, and you know I'm I'm a big fan. I love it. it you know I, I think those books are wonderful and helped uh, probably helped me learn to read. You know I think I was eleven when I got the first one. Yeah, and, I'm sure I was the same. Yeah, and uh, uh, and I am passionate that probably uh, like um, Zack Schneider was when he did Watchmen. That if and I hope we do do this film we do it really 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 well and it's brilliant and people come away from it going oh my god that was awesome yeah I mean, we won't we won't have peter jackson budgets but we will have enough money i hope to do it properly 
Yeah. It's small. And, and the great thing about um, Death Track Dungeon is it's small and contained. You're in a dungeon. Yeah. Doing, uh, wandering around bashing orcs. <laughs> like that, you know. Which is the, the bit in um, uh, Lord of the Rings Part 1 uh, where they finally go into the mines, the dwarven mines. Yeah. And they meet, meet the hill troll. Yeah. Drop the bucket and they have a big old fight. That that was the bit. I thought that bit it contained with a low ceiling and and people terrified and scared they're going to get killed and hearing monsters coming. That's the bit we want to capture and we want to string that out uh, and yeah. play that for the, the length of the film. Yeah, yeah. Proper, proper that, dungeon bash. Yeah, that that does sound quite awesome. I'm, I'm yeah, and no one's ever done that. I've never seen that in the cinema except for that bit in uh, Lord of the Rings. But no. all, these, all these massive armies, because we've seen, we've seen all these, every bloody film now has got a massive army bashing each other, <laughs> thousands of little digitally created uh, miniatures wandering around. Yes. I thought, no, we, we can't do that because we can't, you know, this is what I always say, we can't out Hollywood Hollywood, we don't have the money. Yeah. So we have to do it the other way, which is the script. We yeah. The script is good, because how many Hollywood films have we seen lately where we all thought, oh, that script was a bit crap? Mm. I'll say most of them. Yeah. Uh, and I think the only thing the only thing we can do because we we can't have the effects we can't afford them is uh, is make the script as best as we possibly can yeah. and interesting and and make you have that emotional connection with the lead character so you really do care about whether they live or die I think that's vital yeah. uh, so when something happens to them, you, you you're sitting in a chair and something happens to you, you go oh my god you know <laughs> expect that whereas these days Hollywood films you just go oh yeah. he's dead oh he's dead. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, uh, it, it, it's, it's interesting because there are quite a lot of people I think seem to be coming, uh, certainly actors seem to be coming back towards TV partly for the reason that the scripts seem to be better because you can do it over a longer form. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it, it's all, it's all due to digital technology because, uh, you know, in the old days, film was shot on 35mm, looked fantastic, telly was shot on some crap camera in a yeah. studio, it looked awful, and every time you panned, anything bright would leave a burn mark inside yeah. the scanner and look awful. And everyone, you know, even in things like open all hours, the exteriors are shot on 16mm and the interiors are shot in a studio, and it all looked totally <laughs> different. Yeah. And, um, and then all of a sudden late 90s early noughties digital technology picked up and you can go and shoot full hd for anything on a reasonable budget yeah that's when telly went whoop yeah you know massively amazing yeah uh, and now you know you look at game of thrones which i think is wonderful yeah and uh, a good episode of doctor Who and things like that and there's no real difference between the quality between telly and film no you know, no. And uh, the post-production companies, the Mill, Frame Store, CineSight, it's the same companies doing telly or film. It's not different companies. And yeah. now the actors, Benedict Cumberbatch, as I mentioned, you know, he's doing yeah. telly, he's doing films. He flits between the two. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sherlock or, uh, or Smaug. Yeah. One or the two. Yeah. <laughs> well, is that Smaug? Smaug. Smaug. I can't remember. I... The Danish I... one is, the Swedish one is Smaug. <laughs> Did you, there was a, a great interview. Stephen Colbert interviewed Smog. I don't know yes, that you I saw, saw that. that. Hilarious. What a big studio they must have. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, 
So, although I, I suspect I might know the answer to, to this one, but uh, is there a... a uh, we, we cover a lot of TV on the site, so we ask everybody this. Is is there a show that uh, you would like the chance to uh, direct or a show that you really love on TV? Oh, my God. I, I, would, I would kill to have a go at Doctor Who, but I think if I did kill someone, I wouldn't be allowed. <laughs> See? Yes. I, I mean, the funny thing about Doctor Who is is uh, it has its ups and downs. When it's good, it's as probably as good as British telly ever gets. Yes. And when it's bad, it's infuriatingly bad. And I think yeah. there is no... no. They can't have any excuse for making bad episodes, but they do. Yeah. Um, but I think sometimes I look at the, you know, not wishing to blow my own trumpet or anything like that, but you do look at the episodes and you think, that wasn't very good. And then you look at who directed it and you look at check them out on the internet and you think, they're not very good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, oh, that's why. Oh, <laughs> oh, I see now. And you think, yes, but I, I would, you know. But any, as I said earlier, the, the pleasure is working with a good script and a, and a reasonable amount of time to shoot it and good actors and a, and a good crew. That's, that's it. Yeah. You know, and I, I, would, I would be delighted to work on any, any production where I had those, those uh, four elements came into place. Yeah. You know, uh, and I'm sure there's many, many TV shows that don't even exist yet that are going to be wonderful that I, yeah. I you know, uh, that, that's it really. I, I, I do, I would love to do, I've done so much stuff that's set in the here and now. I mean, I used to be a cameraman and assistant on EastEnders and I, so I've done so much contemporary drama. I would love to do something a bit weird. Yeah. Anything that's just got a twist to it. Yeah. You know, I think Ripper Street's great. We've been watching that on the telly. I think that's wonderful. It's a bit weird because it's set in Victorian days. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen Peaky Blinders, I have to say, but everyone tells me it's great. Uh, that is fantastic, yeah. yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, any, anything that has that spin to it. I mean, I think Alice in Mars, once we finish the film, I would love it if it, you know, this is talking a very long time in the future. We're talking five years away, but... Um, if that had a television presence like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, starting yeah. off with a really cool B-movie, which just went off exponentially. Mm. And uh, the uh, Alice on Mars is great because it's a strong female heroine, yeah. Alice. Uh, we all know who she is. Yeah. She's grown up a bit now. She's in her early 20s. And at the end of my film, she's on Earth. It's 1888. She's got a spaceship, a ray gun. She can go anywhere. And she's got the Hatter and the Rabbit with her. So <laughs> she is basically almost like a female time lord at the end of the film yeah you know and yeah. uh, and she looks great yeah that that does sound like a great setup for a tv show <laughs> exactly exactly but you try telling that to the tv presenting uh, uh, <laughs> editors that i've met forget it oh dear oh well um there'll be another day i'm sure uh okay we've been on nearly an hour so I, I should I, I should let you get back to your uh, your Sunday morning. Um, it's the afternoon now. <laughs> Sunday afternoon. Forget sorry, that. my yes. Sunday morning's gone. <laughs> get back to your Sunday afternoon. Um, so yeah, thanks for coming on and, and talking to me. Um, I, I mean, if you uh, if there's anything we could do to help promote stuff or yeah. um, really, it's uh, uh, search for Simon is out there in the shops, and we need people to buy it. Yeah, that's it. Anyway, we can we can tell the world. And the funny the funny thing about the film is, uh, I think, is that a lot of people would uh, don't want to watch it because they go, "Oh, it's science fiction." I go, "Oh, it's not really science fiction." 
Yeah. So it's only got a very tiny bit of science fiction. It's just a drama in a sci-fi shell. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then they get into it and people watch it. We've, had, we've only had, I think, one really negative review in all the reviews we've had. Uh, and I know you should never do it, uh, but I actually wrote to the reviewer. <laughs> and, and, I, I said, uh, and I said, OK, fine. You don't like this film. You've got to tell me why. Yeah. Uh, and he came back and his, re- and his reply to my question was so pathetic. I felt like going around his house and setting fire to him. <laughs> which obviously I didn't. Yes. Because uh, I'm a mild-mannered uh, man. And, uh, yeah, and I, I thought that was funny that when, when I finally questioned a reviewer who gave me a bad review, he hadn't understood the film at all. Yeah. He hadn't yeah. got it. He just hadn't got it. And yeah. I think that, that the, the curse of the internet is everyone's got a voice. And even yes. people who are king idiots got a voice. <laughs> but there you go. That's my opinion. Yeah. I've got yes. a voice. We've got the internet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what that's what it's over. It's a blessing and a curse sometimes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, just we just got to keep on keep on banging the uh, Search for Simon drum. So hopefully people will be interested in in watching that film. And uh, yeah, uh, and getting getting the next things going yeah it's just, it's such a slow process because we don't have any backing from the bfi or bbc or anything like that so everything i do is 100 percent uh independent uh we wish it wasn't but it is um so that's it anyone who can come along and help that's 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 it really you know a little, little bit of help on the web that's good uh, <laughs> you know and we're shooting we've got 10 more days to shoot before the end of january yeah uh so I'll obviously i've got to crew up that as well and um that's it just carry on carry on making movies that's what i'm here for i'll carry on making movies until i'm physically restrained <laughs> awesome all right uh i shall let you go have a great day yes and, and a lovely christmas yeah merry yes. christmas cheers Dave. Cheers. Bye. cheers bye hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands and the best part they're all about safe ethical and responsible manufacturing Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 